All right, everybody. Once again, welcome to the Professional Goblins podcast. I'm one of your wonderful hosts wearing a very stylish shirt today. I'm Scott Gladstein, and uh, with me, as always, is... Mike Myler. Hi, everybody. How you doing? And always the enchanting. Uh, Savannah Broadway, uh, apparently hosting with Hadrian the Fish, because he's present. Is, is Pelly MIA? Uh, well, she's boycotting me right now. Oh, okay, that happens. We're having bird marital problems, man. I get it, I get it. You know. She, she let, Pelly left the nest for a bit. Yeah. Flew the coop. I'm gonna stop with these puns. Alright, so today, <laughs> we're joined by the immortal Sasha Hall. Hi, who are you? Why do people love you? Why should we love you? Because we already do, but tell everyone, tell the world. Uh, my name is Sasha Hall. I am a third-party uh, writer for, you know, Pathfinder role-playing game and hopefully other games soon. I am an amazing person that does amazing writing work. My first pro my first published thing was with uh, Scott. Which, which one Thinking was your first one? For, um, the first, like, thing I got published, like, actual, like, design credit I have got published. No, but which was one was it? something in Varantia Codex? Or am I thinking of somebody else? I might be thinking I don't of another. I think I actually credit. wrote anything for that. I know I got the Torturer published by you. It was like my first actual like written credit. Okay, okay, okay. Which is a very fun way to start a conversation. Um, and <laughs> I tend to try to approach things from outside the box. Things and I'm good at words, but even if it doesn't seem like I am. <laughs> Written words are very separate from spoken words, I found. Yeah, yeah the editor thing, you, you found that once or twice? Yeah. <laughs> so, if you guys don't know, our show is kind of a segmented one. We go ahead and we break it down to different sections. Um, each of us kind of talks on it, or today's mum, I guess. Um, uh, the first section is our game stories. And um, who, wants, who wants to start tonight? Anyone have one? They really are just like itching to tell. I have one that's not a game story. It's a story about a real person that you think came from a game. Okay, I, that sounds interesting. Let's go for it. Yeah. So this is, again, I want to preface this is a real person. His name is Bruno San Martino. He is a local celebrity here in Pittsburgh and like a C-list celebrity. But like he's friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the whole, like he knew Andre the Giant. But like oh, cool. the whole muscle building crew, yeah. That was his thing. He was, in, he was in the WWE until like controversy happened and got kicked out because he basically wouldn't throw a match. And um, ultimately, he's been like they forgave him and stuff, and put him in their Hall of Fame or whatever the fuck it is. And he won the Dapper Dan Award. He's a really nice, great guy, great guy. And he's Italian. He's like a PC, like in real life, like a player character. <clears throat> yeah. So he moves to America from Italy in the I think '60s, and he's working down in the steel factory in Pittsburgh. And the circus comes to town, right? And they have an orangutan, and they promise I think it was like a hundred or one hundred fifty dollars to anybody who gets into like a ring with the orangutan for like two minutes and he's like a big dude so he's like mm -hmm. okay i'll do this and there are no laws against it at that point so like you know whatever orangutan like one does yeah yeah and like 150 bucks like that's a whole week of work and then like when people saw him go and like get talking to this guy like bets starting to go down so it quickly became like a whole month two months worth of pay <laughs> if he got in the ring with this orangutan and i've heard him tell the story a couple times but he, it's and it's much better in his like thick italian accent but like Basically, he said it scratched him and, like, attacked him with all limbs. And most people don't know this, but orangutans are, like, way stronger than we are. Just oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, Christ, it didn't pop his ribcage like a grape. 
Exactly, exactly. So he said, like, it just, like, scratched and furiously clawed him for, like, a minute. And then he got his, like, hand around its neck and, like, just reflexively punched it in the face and knocked it the fuck out. <laughs> and then the ringmaster was like, hey, have you ever thought about a job in show business? And I then would say he, in, in, in gorilla punching, but okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he became a wrestler and joined WWE and, like, all this other shit happened. But yeah, like, how can you, can you even imagine explaining that to somebody? Like, yeah, having that on your resume. I punched an orangutan. That I knocked, I knocked one out. KO'd an orangutan. And yeah. that's why I'm here in the studio with you today, Kurt. Like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> well, no, like, imagine, like, the precedence that's set. Like, does he have, like, children? Oh, yeah, yeah, he had, like, three kids. Yeah, so, yeah. like, imagine the presence that's set. Like, career day. Like, well, what does your dad do? Well, he punched an orangutan and he entered into that. And they're like, well, my dad's an accountant, and like, he's like, yeah, I don't know, like, he yeah. went out with Andre the Giant last week, and he's like, well, I, I guess my friend's friends with his dad? <laughs> like, Todd, your dad's cool, right? He, he's like, look, I'm a contractor, but I happen to know Bruno really good. We're neighbors. So, let me tell you about when I saw Andre the other month. Yeah. And he's a super nice dude, by the way. If you ever get the chance to, to like go to an event with him, like bring him anything with him on, and he will happily sign it for free and talk to you. And he's a great guy, and and like a tank. Last time I saw him, he was jogging, he? and he was in the hospital a week before, and like he still oh. had staples in his spine. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking what about. What happened that he needs staples in his spine? Oh, he's he's huge, and he's old. Oh, okay. I, that's really like a letdown. You should have been like, you should have been like, that's classified, like. Like built up the defense, man. No, no, he wrestled a bear. <laughs> That's the most wrestling orangutan wasn't enough. Won. He had to. He lifted a car with his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he has dentures now. He gave the car. <laughs> no, huge and old is very specific. It's a very uh, technical field of medicine. Ed, would you? Well, would you have a lot of mass? Oh, it is a serious issue getting old because your bones go and your muscles deteriorate, but you still weigh a lot. So, and like to get rid of, you got to starve yourself to get rid of muscle. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. So my, uh, I do all the SCA stuff, and there's all these older guys who do like hard, like hardcore, like in armor, like beating the shit out of each other with like full force, like you know, mm -hmm. like solid rattan weapons. And the, they're always like, "How do you guys win tournaments?" And they're like, "Well, the young guys are quick and and strong. We're old, we're old and crafty." And the uh, <laughs> and the best part is like old is a qualifier there. It's on par with like young, you know, like. Like we're old and crafty, and uh, sometimes crafty wins out. And I don't know, man. I I I, I would like to see an old. I'd like to see him go round two with an orangutan. Oh no, I don't need to see that. I'm sure he said he never wants to do that again, and that it was, it was the most unpleasant experience of his life. And I believe him too, because like an animal screeching in fury, clawing away at you, and like it has nowhere to go, so it's just gonna keep doing that. Like oh my god. Yeah, no, that yeah. that sounds terrible. I'd like to say I'd never punch a monkey, but. That sounds like a sex thing. Punch a monkey. <laughs> it does. All right, we're five minutes in, guys. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I, I got a story here if no one else wants to jump in. As long um, as it's not about punching the monkey, yes. <laughs> uh, it's not about punching the monkey or slapping or, or haranguing anything. Um, this is about my second LARP character ever. I joined this game, Mythical Journeys, when I was 16, and then the nth effort chain went... They changed it to 18, so for two years, I was the youngest person there. Legally speaking, I was the youngest person there by at least two years, most people in their 30s. And I was 16 and impressionable, and it was great. Um, so my second character, because I, I, at the end, I played as a cast member a lot, so I got all these extra points. 
So I played as a special race. I played as, as one of the, their unique races, which is a fiend elf. They're like, there's an elf society that bound themselves to fiends and like. Is this uh, the still story? No, it's the same character though. Okay. All right. So he has been getting shit on all event. Um, the first few, like, literally, I came back recently and they said, Oh, you're the whipping boy from before. I remember. And I'm like, Great, thanks. Um, but he was like, He <laughs> was the emotional whipping boy of the town. Just like, everyone's like, Yeah, keep going, bro. But they literally whipped me at one point. It was great. Um, a, a man in a wig. It was a very long wig, but it wasn't, he wasn't feminine. He was just a very long haired wig whipping me. And it was good. Anyway, so there was. I, time... I'm glad you found your king, Scott. I did. Um, yeah. There was a time, though. That I was in the I was in the town guard, and we um, we had the unfortunate time of having to interrogate some goblins. And they go, well, who knows how to interrogate? And the fiend elf just looks like, I get to do something, yes. Um, and so I start role playing like, cut, hey, we're talking about torture earlier. Um, I start cutting off fingers, and stuff. And the next event, like maybe two events later. My mom actually liked going, and she didn't really get LARP, but she really just liked the people and the role-playing aspect. So my mom is like, you know, mid-40s, early 50s, early 50s at the time, I think. And they sent her out as a goblin. And they all are carrying signs to the town meeting, and they're chanting, we want restitution. And squeaky goblin voice is going, we want restitution! And my character's in there like, oh, fuck. Sweet fuck. Sweet god fuck. No. Oh, it wasn't in the town guard yet. That's right. It was the first event. So I got put on the town guard half for my own protection because people kept killing me in the borders of the town and half sentenced to it so that I could serve out my restitution to the goblins whose fingers I removed. But yes, okay. that was how I started that character. It was a great time. There I could go, go back as in, in, in the spring. It'll be amazing. Sure I was worried for there was gonna be like a bunch of us were forced to strip down to our underwear. Well, at one Put point, at like, one point there was this little there was this lady uh, who was role playing a younger girl, and she looked very young anyway. And she was supposed to be the lord's like daughter or something from the town, or some high muckety muck's daughter. And the joke was she was an NPC. She was played by one of the cast members, and she, this is on a four H camp. There's like hundred. There's like fifty cast members. It's great. Um, Isn't it just Donald? Donald? No. Okay. So she would walk out with whoever was her babysitter and kill them. But I was way too intent on stuff, and we ended up across a bunch of roving monsters who were orcs. So I forget how it happened, but I ended up shirtless. Now I am pasty white as shit, and I was 16 and gangly and like skinny as a rock. And I'm did like, you blind them all? I basically did, but I came back with like shirtless, with a with two straps across my chest, with this little girl and holding her flail, just like, and everyone's just like, <laughs> Balamos, what'd you do? And I'm like, nothing, I swear. And they're like, why? And I'm like, oh, this guy had the scars, these like uh, done on scars from like. This ritual thing that had been done to try to purge evil, long story short. Hey, it was the guy with the wig. That guy. Um, so I had all these scars and this cross on and this pasty white dude walking to town with this little girl. And everyone's just like, the fuck? And the orcs are like, we don't want part of this, dude. We don't want part of this. And the only time she like, didn't kill somebody on the adventure was just because I terrified the orcs and looked like a fucking BDSM like gimp. It was great. <laughs> hey, man, I learned all sorts of things about myself during that, that event. Uh, <laughs> 
role playing is good for that. It was great. Um, but I seriously am very excited yeah. to come back as Valmos. That they have told me, even though he's tossed into hell, basically, they have not told me how he's coming back. Which the plot is like the most wicked GM in the gate world. So I know it's not it's not going to be fun for him, but it'll be a lot of fun for me. Cool. Well, congratulations on <clears throat> reappropriating your character. Yeah, they, they they I actually had to wait. I just heard like a few days ago that they're letting me come back as him because he wasn't technically dead. So sure, sure, yeah. Are right, you so just mostly dead? I was tossed into Discord, which is kind of their version of like limbo, maybe hell with a little bit more hell, where all the fiends chill. And mm. if you stay there for too long, you get perverted. But then there was a merging of realities. I came back as one event as a different version of Val, like alternate universe Val. So there might actually be somewhere in the middle Val. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, so who's up Who's up next? I can go. Uh, all right, Sasha. I was going to say, do you want to go, Sasha? All right, yeah. Um. So this story is from an ongoing campaign. It's actually, um, I was thinking of doing a different character from that campaign, my character, but then I realized there's a... Uh, different character in that campaign that I feel will be much more amusing to talk about. Hmm. So <laughs> it's a fiction campaign. So what? And it's this fifth D&D fifth edition got campaign. It, yeah. And um, it's like the first campaign I've had with this group of people, but I've been friends with a few of them for a while. And so it's this character who, this friend of mine, who has decided he's going to play a very, very like, elderly typhling chef who is a true neutral paladin and the reason why she why this elderly typhling grand gordon ramsay-esque paladin is true neutral is because she basically shifts all over the alignment spectrum all over the all at all opportunities <laughs> like the like she, she's usually just kept she's usually close to neutral but she's also had like things that are just aping lawful evil like oh hey i you don't like to cook with like her thing is like she's a terrible baker and she was raised by santa it's this very strange backstory <laughs> she was raised by santa but she was raised by santa because she was a terrible baker and she was told that what well, you're a typhling you can be you can just cook the best meats because you can just sit in the middle of the fire and cook the meat and her whole thing there's all these very strange stories but She's this. She has this character that has become this meme amongst our friend circle because, like, whenever someone does something completely unexpected, it's oh, you pulled a Casey goddamn Cook. <laughs> okay. And this you number know. of stories involve like success. Yes, and one of the funny things, and the main thing I learned from this character was that like, you don't need to be a serious character at all times to be a good character. Like, we have like. Casey Goddamn Cook is one of the strangest, most amusing, hilarious characters I've ever been in a campaign with. But is also when she needs, and she is like perfect comedic, like the player has like very good comedic timing that sometimes ruins things, sometimes makes them so much better. But with the amount of like angst and edginess in the rest of the campaign, it makes it very fitting. And one of the, um, and like, Oh God, Casey wants like had this very long argument with someone like shouting down a hallway that she like down a staircase. She's like, "Why, why do you refuse to cook with fire? That's blasphemy. That you refuse to cook with heat." I'm an ice elemental. Mm. 
oh. Uh, and there's this running gag where she just keeps acquiring barrels, just like wooden barrels and rolling around in them. And it doesn't make sense. Like we had this joke that like, they're all going to get Christmas gifts, which basically just me like getting, getting an excuse, to get back in her writing rhythm. Like I will homebrew you something as a Christmas gift that you'll get at some point in the campaign. And, um, cause like co-GM and co-play and stuff. And, um, this, the player was like, I just want another barrel. I can't homebrew you a barrel. Are you sure? So we've actually had the barrels within a barrel. We, you know, like a, a bag of endless holding. We had the barrels yes. of endless holding in the game that could shrink down. So they end up being put this much in it, and it shrinks down to something about this big. And we, the GM, put it in the game, Caleb, and all of a sudden we were like, "Hey, guess what? We're gonna put one inside the other and shrink one, take a bunch of tiny barrels and hide inside one of the barrels and get the air and all the." stuff we needed and we figured out we could survive like planner fall gravity like like orbital fall gravity and that's how we survived this the final boss fight was by hiding within a barrel within a barrel that's amazing now i want to write a barrel of monkeys for casey savannah if you're talking we can't hear you savannah has muted herself i think savannah has muted herself Oh, she's talking to somebody. Sorry, the bird, the bird was acting up, and I ah. muted myself to bring that up. Anyway, is that why they made the rule that you couldn't uh, put a portable hole in a bag of holding? Because I, I feel like the, the barrel within a barrel thing, it, it's just going to do something terrible with dimensions. Yeah. I'm, when you say barrels, I'm just like, I, uh, why wouldn't you just like have a bag of holding with barrels to throw at people? Like, you don't could do that, too. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Mm. I just remembered that we had that because that was part of the economic part was Weaponized they were barrels. shipping goods in them because you could ship a shit ton of goods in a tiny barrel. You could carry around like a, a week's worth of food in like a little capsule, basically. Yeah, yeah, sure. No it's Dragon Ball Z nice. influences were here at all. I promise. I was literally about to make a Dragon Ball Z joke, but okay. So, uh, Savannah, you got something for us this week. Uh, Yeah, so I've been sitting on this one for a bit, so it's nice to like talk about it. <laughs> Uh, I think I may have mentioned before I'm in a uh, 13th age game that's taking place in like pseudo Arthurian England type setting. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the characters that I'm running is um, the current manifestation of the Hummingbird Prince, mm -hmm. who is a uh, female human who is kidnapped by the Fae as a child and trained to be a knight. And the idea is that they, each of them, like, there's not lots of them, there's a succession of them, because they die very quickly. Uh, they're intended to be, like, the avatar of heroism. Oh, okay. Uh, and you can, you can only really be, like, courageous if the deck's stacked against you. So, like, the Fae are, are dicks and, like, send them wait, out no, at, like, really? 16. What? I said, wait, no, really? Fae are dicks? I've never heard this before. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Uh, so they're like, yeah, no, uh, kid, here, here's a sword, maybe here's some armor. Like, some of them are more intended to succeed than others. <laughs> um, and, uh, like, go have fun and, like, slay monsters and stuff. And so this version of the Hummingbird Prince is very, very set against the whole dying heroically thing. Mm. And so I centered her entire build. She's a paladin in 13th Age. Uh, and I centered her entire build around not dying. And Good. the GM allowed us to, uh, he wanted everyone to be human, but you could pick a different racial trait if you want to sub in. 
And so I took the Gearforge trait, never say die. <laughs> uh, is that uh, in 13th Age, one of the great things about it is that you have healing surges, which, you know, means that if you go into a, a dungeon without a cleric, you're not toast. Um, I recall so another game that, with, you know, with, uh, with healing surges that did not go over so well. Yeah. Fourth, I mean, fourth ed? Oh, I mean, I yeah. I have gouged everything from fourth ed out. Thirteenth <laughs> age is what fourth ed has wet dreams about being. Again, fourth edition wasn't that bad, guys. They just shouldn't have called it Dungeons and Dragons. That's all. Yeah, exactly. I, I that, that was the problem. Thirteenth uh, age that. actually has a lot of the same people who worked on for, for da, 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 fourth fourth ed. edition. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's really good game. Uh, but anyway, point being is that when you drop below zero hit points then you know you roll to stabilize and then you can like try to get up and blah blah blah. but if you have never say die the minute you drop below zero hit points you get to roll and if you succeed on your roll then you just spin the healing surge and we're like no fuck you nice. um yep so her that's her short-term plan of not dying is like she has an ability that allows her to like roll against ongoing damage earlier, you know, stuff like that. Um, she has, like, an insane AC. Um, CYA but her long like it. plan is that she wants to hunt monsters because in this setting, monsters are immortal. If you kill them, they just reform later, and that's why there's all these mythical creatures. I like that. Uh, but before she was the Hummingbird Prince, she was raised by a bunch of crazy cultists out in a swamp and uh, figured out the frowned upon magic of soul eating. Mm. And so she's attempting to become immortal via eating monster souls. And uh, an anime about this. Since, uh, since Fae are defined by their stories, she wants to rewrite the story of the Hummingbird Prince and be like, nope, and then the Hummingbird Prince ascended and became immortal and there are no more ever fuck you fairies. You, you know there's, there's an anime about that, right? <laughs> uh yes, they're they're definitely. It's, it's called Toriko, and it's very silly and very weird. <laughs> fair. Well, this is somewhat less silly, um, but the the cool encounter that she had beyond just you know being a soul lean badass uh, is that the great like I never run characters with great AC, mm -hmm. or at least not armor based AC, and uh, we were fighting a monster whose special move was to rip your limbs off. <laughs> And uh, he got the first attack in on her to latch on, but every time he rolled to rip her arm off, he kept failing. <laughs> uh, so we decided that Clear was a very good dancer, and so he'd like try and wrench her arm off, and she'd just like step into it, and they're just going around in circles as she's like stabbing him. So. Good. Sounds appropriate for the Hummingbird Prince. Yep. Indeed, indeed. No, you gotta gotta take your chances where you can get it. You should get like a. You should use a lance and uh, be like, ah, and it's because the long nose is required by hummingbirds. Exactly. So well, it's that's nothing that's to do with staying far away from everyone. Yes. Not well, that is definitely what I wanted to do. But lances are much less effective when you're not on horses. Of course. Yeah. And horses are more uh, effective when it's not the middle of winter. I wrote an entire two hundred plus image, twenty page paper. Last weekend on the arms and armor of display at the Metropolitan, that basically you could sum up with weapons are tools designed for a specific purpose. Lances are designed for a very specific purpose. Except for the katana, obviously, which is meant. Oh yeah, that's that's the greatest weapon everything. ever. It's just 
Yes. Pulled it a thousand <laughs> times. Yeah, it's it shit on by God. I mean, whatever, man. I got it. Yeah, no, Guns? it's, no, it's definitely. Give me ten katanas. Just hold all See, I horse. thought you were going to say, I wrote this entire supplement about how you can put snowshoes on on horses. And I'm like, okay, Scott, I'm going to bring that up to the GM. <laughs> all right. I mean, if that is that a challenge? Like, Yes. <laughs> That, that that is the next thing that I I want to to hear from you, Scott. All right. We need snorses. Snorses, I like it. Favorite working projects. <laughs> Favorite working Favorite project. Work. Well, mine is so obviously snorses. Really the horseshoe one. Snorses, yes. Um. So who wants to uh, who wants to go first here? Uh, I mean, Sasha, if you wouldn't mind, I'm very intrigued by this uh, spellless occultist stuff. Yay! Okay, yeah, that's that's the thing I'm writing. So I'm writing it for uh, Lost Spheres, which is the... Kristen Sowards. Yep. Yes. A friend words. of the show. Yes. Indeed. I'm great at words, guys. And um, it's this class called The Successor. And the idea is like, it kind of spawned in my brain when I was like, what if there was an occultist, except instead of being based on like wizard schools? It was based, because it was based on like, a weird mix of like themes of sorcery, like inherited heirlooms and stuff. But also instead of just being, oh look, bloodlines, it was like, no, it was, it's like, there's the different categories of like the thing you can do are based on like kind of the core four classes. Like you have the heirloom of cunning or like, I'm a rogue, but you have all these different heirlooms and they do different things. And they're like, each one is like a, uh, has like a couple powers and you invest just like an occultist you put like your uh, points into them you invest them and um I'm very much gesticulating right now and um you put these points into your heirlooms and they basically functions as an occultist without spells which means it's much more talent focused and it's much more focused on just like hey you're not just a caster with some cool other abilities those are your main thing. And you can like, depending on your airline choices, you can be like, like a suit, you could be like the super tanky, like mafia priest or something with cunning faith and war or something. Like, but, a, like, like a Vixen situation, like the Vixen DC comic superhero. She's like heirloom power. And it's not like she casts bull strength on herself. She's just like a bull appears around her. And then she suddenly, yeah. Like, like yeah. That. But you've got like multiple totems, not just like one. It plays with different classes. Kind of. It's like paradigm of base classes. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good thing. So, uh, uh, so on that, that note, yeah. to uh, to tie in, uh, I've been doing some uh, brainstorming on my seven serif stuff, um, and so I I was I, I came to the realization they're not enough icy undead. Okay. I'm just gonna just gonna point that out. Um, so my goal is, I haven't decided if it's going to be an undead or construct, uh, but something I'd like to see is, um, considering their, like, version of burial grounds is, like, a giant magical glacier that they just slap yep. corpses onto and freeze them over. Um, so, yeah, um, I need, like, a big ice golem slash undead slash whatever with stabby ice claws that just kind of has, like, undead bodies sort of hanging around. Ooh, they might be kind of placed, like, bones or something. That could be interesting. And, like, that's what animates it. See? I feel like undead are more compelling than constructs. 
Yeah. Uh, Wendigos are also theoretically frog That's based. true. That's true. I don't know. I, like, I recognize that they're classified as undead, but they don't feel like undead. Mythologically, they definitely are. They've passed beyond the world of the living, beyond mortal men, by consuming the flesh of man and dying of frostbite. I wouldn't say that Wendigo are... Well, Frost, uh, you talk, you're talking about Wendigo and not Yeti? You're, you're, I'm talking you're... about Wendigo. That's the actual historical <laughs> basis of it, or as historical as you can get. Right. I'd looked them up for something recently. Yeah, but it's just, I, it's definitely, like, you can clearly see, like, this was not a, a Western idea of undead. Which no, is I got fine. it, I got it, yeah. But D&D is very Western undead, in a lot of ways. It's very West um, Eurocentric, period. I mean, that's why I wrote all those, you know, non- European source Non-Western books, I'm like, focus things. I'm like, can we just do Polynesia? Can we do this? Can we do that? Oh my god, why can't Just anything, you know? What about mm. the cannibal stuff with Wendigos? You have to do, like I said, you have to commit cannibalism, then you freeze to death. Hmm. Though some cases, it's your heart freezes, and then you die. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like sometimes the freezing to death is optional. You definitely have to eat your buddies. Yeah, man, that's it, It's the freezing of the with. heart that does it, is what it is. There we go. A lot of times that's literal, though. Fair. Unless you're in Call of Cthulhu, and then you just pick up an amulet, and then you're just fucked. <laughs> there you go. So, um, I'm doing Forces of Red Sector. I'm still talking about that a bit. Because we're still writing it. Uh, Sasha, you have we talked about the thing you're contributing last week a little bit. Um, grenade swords. I like it. Um, but the other thing is we're working on more Solarian and operative things. Uh, Solarian is still very much raw notes, work in progress stuff, but we're doing, I don't want to just do here's some extra revelations because they have enough fucking options for those. My God, I was at 18th level. I just had so many options. I didn't know what to do with this option par paralysis, man. It was so bad. Um, but uh, we're going to do a different solar manifestation, maybe two or three. We're playing around with the idea of doing like a... Um, Animal Companion stand kind of shadow you type of thing. We may call it the Stellar Shadow with the side, um, which we're playing with implementation of that. Um, but we're also doing potentially kind of Green Lantern-y stuff. We're, we're avoiding the whole cliche of, oh, you, you had a sword manifestation, now you have a gun manifestation, because that's just really boring, I always thought. Yeah. Um, but the operative, we're having a lot of fun with with a lot of the themes. There wasn't a lot covered in the book <clears> for <throat> specializations, so we're really getting to branch out and do weird stuff with it. Um, there's some stuff that just have like has a truck-sized hole you could drive a specialization through. Because I mean, I think it feels like this is Pathfinder before the APG, you know what I mean? So it's like they haven't really touched a lot of the groundwork. So, hey, low-hanging fruit and all that. I'm sure we'll be uh, convergent designing this a bit. So I'm ready for someone to wipe out all we did in the next uh, in their next big book. But let's see. We had the kind of airborne ranger thing going on. So they're more like jump jet assault people. Um, we have, it's not like an arcane trickster, but it's kind of a mage slayer, magic slayery thing. Um, something weird about designing specializations is you can't give them a lot of shit at early level to define them. You can't tweak how they they play to like fifth level. So if you're like, oh, these guys should clearly have like unarmed strike, you can't be like, oh, here you go, unarmed strike, because you don't get any, you can't give them anything, as per how it's like the current design paradigm exists. 
we always tweak that um, at first level or at early level. So it feels less and less like, you know, an archetype in Pathfinder would have much more like a talent list option, which is what it's supposed to be like, but it kind of exists in a place halfway between both of them, I think. But yeah, it's, ha it's having a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people ask for operative and Solarian stuff. And when we were talking about it with some people and they were like, I'm like, all right, I'm definitely down to write it. And I want to make this a great book. So pretty stoked about that. Um, some weird ones come out of it too, obviously, because it wouldn't be us if it wasn't weird as shit. Truth. Are there we any, uh, what is it, where two cans? Not in this one, but that's in the one with, the with uh, what's his name? Party bus? Yeah. No, that's not Alien See, Party bus. That's in, um, that's in the, the Where Pirate Book. Where thing book for right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is not on hold, but I have other things that are ahead of it right now. I have to finish it up. Um, but yeah, I got that one. We got Odd Goddess <clears> finishing up. I don't know. It's a good time. And I have a weird project that might be coming to fruition. I'm not sure. But cool. It's ominous and amazing. Um, it is. It's like kind of like. <coughs> not sure how much I want to talk about it, but it's kind of like it draws a lot from Gnosticism. It's based with Starfinder, but it doesn't let you build it kind of made gives you pre-made characters that you can kind mm. of tweak and it's almost like a little bit like a MOBA or like a uh maybe a maybe an FPS, I'm not sure how to describe it. It's it's, its own weird bizarro thing that you could post Facebook post a while ago. What? You could post it on Facebook a while ago. In or one form or another, but it's it's really morphed and it's been very I fell down a rabbit hole, guys. It was it was good and weird and fucked up. And uh Yeah. If that comes to fruition, I'll I'll write about it. I'm, I'll tell you guys about it, I'm sure. So uh Mike That's awesome. what what are you doing this week? Uh well, let's see. I finally really finished adding stuff to the Book of Exalted Darkness manuscripts. <laughs> no, you're I never still finished. don't buy it. <laughs> the Myler effect's going to kick in, and you're gonna be like, "Can we fit in a sidebar about yeah. this thing?" Because I was like, I was gonna write this thing for golems to make like, or not golems to make a gargoyle as one of the options for the dark prestige class thing, but then I was like, "Well, you could just be like a golem and take this feat that gives you Bandlore wings, and you'd be a gargoyle." So like, it's not really worth writing all that stuff. And I like, I yeah, I, I'm pretty. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think I forgot to write anything. Yeah, but um, I'm sure you'll figure something out. I, I will not believe it until I see that it's gone to print, and even then I'm iffy. Maybe including another person in the next the next big book. Uh, we'll see. Savannah and other Mike have to read that guy's pitches and see what they think. But I'm pretty sure he's in. I don't know. I liked him. Is this uh, the dragon with the opium? That was one of the pitches, yes. Yeah, yeah. See, we're trying... I think we should recruit the dragon with the opium. Well, <laughs> if you can get his contact information. <laughs> uh, he sounds like a one So that's that's moving along, and I synopsized all of my my playtest sessions, all seventeen of them, uh, so that you guys do not have to read uh, twenty three thousand words. Now it's just like six thousand words. Oh, oh come on! Yeah, no, yeah, this should be really. I didn't want to kill him because like we're <laughs> just starting off here, you know. And then um, the cool thing was uh, Escape from Cleveland twenty ninety nine because we finally got to continue the playtest for that. So the, the last game, I kind of like left the players like you've been brought to the Hypermax Cyberpunk Future Prison and like you're waiting to be processed. You meet the warden, one of them mouths off, he gets his ear shut off, you know, like it is in future prisons. 
And then this last game, we actually like put them into prison <laughs> proper. So they went through the sanitization process and they had like trackers installed into their bodies and got issued like their fatigues. And like we, they spent their first week like doing their menial tasks and like checking out the yard and seeing like who the gangs are and who the people are and like figuring out the one to do. And uh, I know it was awesome because like I was really worried that like I had forgotten something. Because that's so hard to make, like, a. I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to make a future prison module. Mm-hmm. Guess what? It's really fucking difficult because you have all these different things that you can do as a character, and then you throw in hyperscore, and it's like, hey, here's another fucking volume of shit. So I covered all my bases, which is really cool. They still felt like they had power, even though they, like, for the most part, their hyper abilities were negated. Uh, two of them managed to, like, make the check to, like, uh, fuck up the installation of the tracking module that bars the use of their superpowers. Ah. So they... Yeah, yeah, they have to make checks when they do it, but they have, like, a slight access. And uh, I think the first thing they want to do is, like, get to know the murder ball gangs and play them in prison murder ball. That's going to end well. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I don't know. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm really happy with it. And uh, I don't know. When you, it's Yeah, I, I keep picking challenging fucking shit to do. And uh, it works out, but the whole time you're like, is this going to work? Am I crazy? This is not going to work. This is a bad idea. You got to love yourself a little bit more, man. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's okay, though. It's cool. And then um, my artist is working on a piece for that. He's taking his time, but he's like, he's really new, so I'm not rushing him. He had a, he had a rough New Year's, too. A highlight of the game was definitely when the vigilante, so basically Batman got arrested and nobody in the prison knows he's Batman. It's Bruce Wayne got arrested, right? And he's, like, trying to ingratiate himself with the other, you know, prisoners, many of which he probably got to that prison, uh, unknowns to them. And so, like, to, like, legitimize himself, he, like, throws a tantrum and, like, kind of beats up a laundry machine <laughs> and, like, got his ass whooped by the guards. So I think he got his ass whooped by the laundry machine. Well, he, 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 he just punched it really hard. <laughs> I just really want to, like, figure out how he was asked whooped by a laundry machine, though. Like, no, the guards whooped his ass. No, I know I got that, but I said it would be really funny oh. if, he, if he got his ass whooped by the, guard, the laundry machine. No, I mean, that would have been funny. See, Savannah, there's an example of when you'd use a construct, not an undead. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man, now I want to do, like, uh, I guess if you wanted to put an undead spin on, they have, like, what, animate haunted items? Yup. Totally be a washing machine. That just, I wrote yeah. Necropunk. I know what you can do with horrifying body horror bullshit. Yes, you you'd have a you you'd have like a mouth washing machine oh. biological system. Oh God! Well, no, I don't want to write Necropunk no. right now. God like damn it! it. They started to figure out <laughs> not the, until after you finish the horses with snowshoes. They're slowly <laughs> figuring out that the the trash compactor is not a trash compactor. And that it does something other than get rid of the trash. I mean, like, it gets rid of the trash, but, like, it doesn't disintegrate the trash. I don't know what it does to the trash. I'm really hoping one of them just, like, jumps into it. Like, yeah. They should put Mm. someone in there. I'm thinking that they're going to. I I think that's the only... It's a player. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Am I still uh, able to be heard in the stream, by the way? Just want to make sure. Oh, I assume so. I don't know. Just double check here. Try to mute myself for a sec. I'm not sure if that... Sometimes yeah. it fucks it up a little bit. Um, still- so our next section here is um, our favorite new project that's not yours. Um, projects from which we cannot profit. Yep. So uh, Sasha, as you got uh, you got an entry on this list, did you want to go next? 
for first? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, um, I was looking, so I buy a lot of third party products for Pathfinder and stuff, obviously. And, um, I <clears throat> saw that the Brawlers thing from Legendary Games was coming out. And, um, there's a bit of like, kind of an inside joke, I guess, between me and a couple other like third party designers that I am really intense in my love of Brawlers, the class. Fighter, but more extent, interesting. Yes. Um, and to the extent that um, another uh, Alex Agunas of Everyman Gaming once evidently told me that he actually wrote, included a Brawler archetype in a product because I am so intense about my love of Brawlers. Hmm. Just without even asking if I wanted it to be in there, just like, I wrote that in there because you keep getting on my case about how I need to do more Brawler stuff. So... Legendary Brawlers is like amazing. It's like, hey, because obviously it is, but it's all this amazing stuff with like archetypes, of course, but like also just like I feel like one of the big things that like has evolved in path in like the Pathfinder line thing lately is like with like the advanced weapon training and armor training for fighters of like, hey, very like modular talent things for classes that just don't really have that because they're just feats and a gimmick. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, these real cool things. It's like, hey, cool. Those things that brawlers almost never use, knock out an awesome blow. Cool. Here's things you can take in place of those that fill the same kind of role. And it's got this really cool like narrative through it of these like two. I it's got like two iconic characters, and I could ramble about this for a very long time, but I'm not going to because we don't have that much time. I uh, but it's I, one thing that always amused me about what you just said was that we are now getting into archetypes. For hybrids of classes from a conversion from 3.5. The content bloat is real. Yay! Bloat is fun. <laughs> well, that brings up an interesting topic, though. Bloat ver One thing that I always tell GMs who are talking about, well, what a I don't want to allow everything in third party. I don't want everyone everything in Pathfinder. I want Being a GM is as much about what you include as what you restrict. Uh, if you're playing, you know, Conan the Barbarian, a Hyborian adventure or whatever, maybe most people are barbarians. You probably aren't tossing, I don't know, Wujen in there from 3-5. I mean, maybe you could. I don't know. But, like, how you approach things has to be different. If you're playing, if you're playing like, a, a Wild West kind of Strange West game, restrict your feats, you know? Figure out what, what you're allowing. I, I ran a uh, one-shot... That was a samurai themed game, and not a single damn person played a samurai. But they still were flavorful about it, you know? It's about what yeah. you restrict, you know? Yeah, Paz is very clear you're not supposed to run a game with all of the books at once. Yep. Like, Ultimate Intrigue is very interesting, but it's really, really terrible for a dungeon crawl adventure. Yeah. Like, well, it's like if you make a, a very elegant party face and, and you you toss them into a den of goblins, they're they're fucked. Also, all the spellcasting rules for the occult stuff <laughs> a plus ten concentration DC is not equivalent to two feats and two spell levels. And that's all the casting. Like that's I mean it's cool in its own bubble, but when you like look at the wizard, I'd be like, why would you be a wizard? Like, I'm going to sneak up on you in the night and think real hard about killing you, and that's going to be it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, um, oh, 
the medium, like the a medium who focuses on the champion spirit, mm-hmm. they get like fleet charge at like I think level <laughs> yes. fourteen or something. And the fighter's like, why? Yeah. Why can't I have this? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh man, I I make my move and then make a full attack. The thing that fighters never get to know. Yeah. But, but but so here's the thing. We we I had to redesign the fighting as the fighter as the fighting man, fighting woman, whatever you want to call it, fighting fighting person. Um, the actual medieval term was fighting man, and it was a French term and whatever. Um, but we had a, we rewrote it as that because holy crap, fighters are boring now. Um, but that's a. I mean, the weird thing is, I think we're seeing this with Starfinder a bit too. We see, hey, this is the stuff we had to convert from three five to make you happy. Then they went APG. Here's the stuff we wanted to write, guys. I swear. So Starfinder's like, all right, here's the stuff that we had to do to get the base out of the way. And here's your soldier, and you're this, and you're that, and here's some the basic rules. Now we get to have fun, guys. Let's go make stuff. Yay! And I just, I really can't wait to see what their APG is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, uh, you got a favorite project, it looks like? I do. There is a quaint little uh, adventure from a new 5e publisher. Not on TM Skilled, and I congratulate them for that, because we're going to be talking about TM Skilled later. I saw it, yeah. But um, Again? it's yeah. Never. We never talk about that. Mike hates talking about that. It's it's not my yeah. exact cup of tea with uh, layout. Most people will prefer it. It's really airy, and uh, I don't know. It's together, and um, I check it out if you're looking for something five uh, E and you want something that is not super dark, what, but what of it, Eastern fantasy. Oh, it's an adventure for five E. It's like a hundred some pages. Okay. And uh, you know what level it is? Uh, no, I don't. Fifth and sixth. Does it say on the cover, maybe? Just fifth and sixth level characters. Yeah, fourth to, fourth to sixth level characters. Okay. Yeah. I know, I checked out the preview PDF yesterday, and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. I hate to be that guy, but we were talking about this before, like, when we, sometimes we get to look at the links, and that's about it. I go, oh, yeah. that's pretty art. That's about all I can say, but it, it is pretty art, too. Yeah, and like I said, their layout is the more open stuff that people like that I hate, but you know, <laughs> it's, they also like spend a little work on doing like page borders and stuff. So there's love in the product. Like, yeah. Check it out. My overly critical. See, I like that though. I can get, I can dig it. Yeah. If you want like a cool Eastern fantasy adventure. And if you're like watching this chance to good, you know, I made Miss Fukuma and it's super dark and shit for five E. Uh, this is not that. This is a much happier kind of Eastern fantasy. Uh, so if you're tired of my grim dark, <laughs> balance is important. Yeah. All uh, right. Do we want to move on now? Pathfinder and Starfinder news and speculation. Uh, I thought we'd get to announce something this week, but I guess they haven't. They haven't made a show of it yet, so we shouldn't. Um, oh. But they are looking for Gen Con 2018 volunteers. Get yourself not a ticket. It. Meet people and uh, suffer. <laughs> yeah it, yeah well you actually volunteered for paizo uh once right for gen con oh i volunteered for paizo several times that's why i'm not it <laughs> there for a while i think i had the most clocked hours demoing the pathfinder adventure card, card game. game yeah so so I'm so you like doing it never again <laughs> never again so that's on par with uh the G- you guys know what gdc is Game Developers Convention. Yeah, Game Developers Conference so. out in San, uh, it's on San Diego, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so I've been there a few times. And originally it was very, like, developer-focused. Now it's just a bunch of marketing agencies. 
and a few yeah. people going, look, our announcement, and then leaving. Um, it's really gotten shitty. But anyway, early on, their uh, volunteer staff was like the way you got into the industry. It was like, hey, guess what? You're gonna you're gonna live like in an army barracks and run this thing. Like they actually had like sleeping quarters and shit. Um, but you are like, and he, here's your here's your tray and like your helmet and go like eat in the helmet and wear the tray. Um, I didn't I didn't oh, do I just... it. My friends all did it, and I was just like, hey, none of them got jobs. Or actually, a few of them got jobs. Not, I don't know if it's from that, but anyway, they uh, it was like a bonding experience for them. So I guess a uh, trial by fire, guys. Have fun. My first work in Gen Con, I was I literally slept on the floor of the hotel room. So you you guys gotta Mike, I, I slept on the floor of the hotel room with some with uh some towels, remember? When I yeah, went there that yeah. time. Yeah, I remember that. Was that because there was someone in the bathtub or because you didn't want to sleep in the bathtub or because there wasn't a bathtub? I don't like sleeping in the bathtub. I'm six two. I don't fit in bathtubs. I, I thought Adam offered to share the mattress with you. I remember yeah, I was like, nobody I don't know. I'm, I'm weird. I like to sleep on like, and Fuck you guys. So I like, like my own. I don't know. I'm weird like that. I can't. I don't like. But say I, I was married for a few years. I'm. I'm. I share a bed with one person and uh, grabbing it Adam in the night. Hey that man, would have been awesome. Oh God. Hey, I, I don't know. Beards aren't my thing. Maybe. Scott, what are you doing? That would have been great. Beards <laughs> are a little third stretchy. I'll great. This will be my third year in a row. Uh, volunteering, Damn. I think seven or eight slots for uh, Gen Con. Nice. I think I'm gonna try to make it out this year. I'm, I'm oh, I'm definitely not doing it this year. There's no fucking way you can get me out there again. Why? Oh, last year was insane, Scott. In a good way. I mean, I'm assuming not in a good way. I mean, if you like to eat food, I figured out if you went to the Steak and Shake at like two in the afternoon by yourself, you could sit at the bar within about five minutes and get served in about thirty minutes. So who like, it's possible to get food with? in under an hour. We we managed to get into a bar. It was me and someone else. It wasn't getting you. into a bar is not that bad, but getting, well, it, was, getting well, it wasn't was you. Horrible. But we went to a we went to like a restaurant, sat at the bar in the corner of the bar, and got fed in like 15, 20 minutes. And we bought a what, bunch of drinks. Was, and like, was this last year? No, it was like it was the year I went with you. Yeah, last year was seventy five thousand people, Scott. Oh, which so you're, is oh, you're talking about the twenty thousand more than last year. That's, right, that's right. It's insane. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I got paid good money to go this year. I'd have to get paid better to go again. I think. Right. Well, at the very least, it's not like it's going to be the fiftieth next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder how their attendance is going to look. Like, is it going to be like people who went are like, you know, I should go again next year, or like. Me and a lot of the people I usually go with are like, you know, no, like I went to the fiftieth, it's fine. I'm just not gonna go for a bit. Yeah, I, don't know. A, I think it's gonna. The main. One of the main things I remember from Gen Con fifty was we were having a big uh, meal thing with a bunch of Studio Seven Seraphs people, and I forgot who Mike was for a solid minute and a half. <laughs> I completely did not recognize him, despite the fact that I tried to meet up with him for a solid half hour at Origins a month prior. Yeah, I remember that. That's right. Yeah. And I was, and I'm sitting there like, Soccer I know Soccer. you are, but I forget your name. <laughs> yeah, I'm really subdued in like, oh cons because I don't, uh, I don't like to eat more than like once a day when I'm really active, <laughs> which is not great if you catch me before the meal. Although to be fair, I think that was like. After jamming five slots in two days of yeah. release weekend, so I think I was also half asleep. 
Yeah, yeah. So I you know what I like to do at Gen Con? I like to go to like, okay, so I normally, like I said, I did Phoenix Comic Con for years. And I worked every con I went to. I worked with JLAZ. I did a bunch of other things. And all I would do, would, I would demo things. I would run things. I went to, I go to Gen Con and I just don't do shit. I walk to every single booth that is demoing something and I play their game. Oh, I got to go one year and just got to do seminars. It was fucking excellent. Let's say, yeah, because the first time I went, I just ended up going like by accident. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I have time. That's what happened with them with you too. It's just like, oh yeah, cool, whatever. So I just kind of wandered the floor for three days and I just like zigzagged back and forth and like went to every single person, some people twice or three times, talked with every single artist, went to every single store and like, it was cool. I don't know if I needed three days to do it, but it was fun. And I met with, up with a lot of people, ate way too much food, paid way too much money, but had a great time. Yeah. I don't know what I, like, my main purpose for going to cons was networking. I'm like, I don't, pretty sure everybody knows me and I know them at this point. Yeah. Like, I would hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, there's always people, people I don't showing know, up, but like, which is good. Maybe wait a while for the roster to shift around or something. <laughs> Mike, we need to purge the older ranks so we may have new blood. Is that what you're saying? I mean, like, I just... I, I, this escalated quickly, Mike. I'd be surprised if somebody was like, I can't believe I don't know you, Mike. Like, I, I would be genuinely surprised. I told you I ran to Jeff Grubb and had no idea who he was, right? <laughs> Do what? I'll be the new blood. <laughs> yeah. So I told you I uh, I met Jeff, was him, Jeff Grubb and I had no idea who he was for like the first five minutes I was talking to him. Yeah, yeah. And I just was like... Oh yeah, cool. I was just like, oh, cool old dude. He knows what he's talking about. I like this guy. He's really pleasant, really nice to talk to. And then I'm, as I'm walking away, I see his name tag. I'm like, shit. He read all those books I like. What <laughs> shit I like? Oh, he worked on Guild Wars. Thanks. That's great. It was Guild Wars two. It was Guild Wars two. Sorry, my dog is having a, I would say a heart attack, but a bark attack. A bark attack. A bork like attack. It. He's bork, bork, bork. Ooh. Um. Bork. So, do we want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. D&D 5e news and speculation. All right. I'm speculating on some 5e. There's a lot of fun stuff this week. Uh, yeah. They've hired a new D&D designer, uh, Kate Welch from <laughs> Acquisitions Incorporated. So congratulations, Kate. That's a, that's a game. Sh that's a D&D like podcast, right? Yeah. It's yeah, the one yeah. associated with um, Penny Arcade. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I like her picture with the elf ears, by the way. So. Yes. He's adorable. Yeah. Uh, but that also, I, I like the the uh, screenshot from the uh, monk character creation, and there's this very unassuming little old lady. Uh, unassuming little old ladies are my favorite kind of monks. The yeah, best. dude. I mean, you, you, Mike. I know you have seen. I, I goddamn hope you've seen Kung. Pa or was it? Uh... Uh, you're not thinking Kung Pao Under the Fist was terrible. You're thinking no, no. of uh, Hong Kong Fui. No, the the, the, the Axe Gang. Uh, yeah, the only thing when they called was it oh, Kung, Kung Fu, Fu Hustle. Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, I was Kung gonna Fu say, yeah. Let's say that, that's my favorite old lady monk. Oh, no, I like the Miyazaki old lady monks. Like the, yeah. the ones who like look like they're just like bags of fucking leather. <laughs> I feel like I've been playing monks wrong. There's no, there's no wrong way to play a monk. Yeah. I uh, well, I, I'm spoiled because in my Skulls and Shackles game, there is an old lady halfling with a peg leg who is a monk. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I played on um, because okay. you know Charles, her her grandchildren are grown up, so she's gone off to have adventures now that they're fine, <laughs> and she gives everyone like hard candies and stuff. 
<laughs> I need a healing potion. Here, have a licorice. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And then she just like split kicks like pirate <laughs> skeletons or something. Like it's fantastic. I had a monk at one point. Do splits. She's got much smaller ligaments. Yep. I had a monk it's at fair. one point who who's a GMPC, but I built him for the game because they needed someone because people were always dropping and coming and whatever. So if, he was the, he was a space filler, um, or he was oddly ah. silent when he when they weren't there. But I gave him exotic weapon proficiency in many different things. So he had like with him, he was a a weapon specialist monk, the one who could use the the weapons in it. Kenzai flurries. So he had he had nunchucks was his specialty, and he was really good at nunchucks. But he, he had like twenty different weapons, he had like size and kurosagama, and like like just every weapon I could think of, like fans. And I was proficient in all of them, and I was just running around like. Now let me tell you about the story about and every time he would like someone would be like, all right, do you have a whatever? Like just yes, this is the sword, and he'd just go on this legend about the sword that he had. And he would just go, and he goes on and on and on in the background where everyone's talking about everything else. Oh, so he would just good. be off being like, This sigh, yes, it slew the emperor of the 18th demon realm. Now I give to you its twin, the one who slew the seraphim from the highest point of and everyone just be like, shut up. <laughs> and you're like, no, I must tell its tale before we fight. And they're just like, shut up, nunchucks back. Okay, we're done. <laughs> I'm stealing that, by the way. Um, yeah. Accurate. So uh so other than Kate Welch, uh there's that whole stock prediction site that says uh Wizards is gearing up to sell or Hasbro's gearing up to sell Wizards a little bit. I was going to say it's a good lead-in because, yeah. like, uh, picking a high-profile person like somebody on Acquisition Incorporated is a great way to, like, keep strengthening their brand with the new hire. Well, we, I mean, we've and, been talking about it for since, since the show started pretty much that we think that it's – they're basically going fattening up the brand and kind of dumbing down the D&D bit and going, look, it's a multimedia brand. It's it's really good. It can be in D, it can be movies and board games and collectible toys and – Fucking, I don't know, right. scarfs. You know what I mean? So this, this stock prediction basically says uh, that they're trying to like drive up the value of Watsi to its zenith and then sell it uh, in 2021 to somebody. So what that will mean is they'll probably, they probably, what they're probably looking at is when they recognize appreciation as well. Uh, that's when the movie is supposed to release, if you recall. Yep. Is in July mm. of 2021. So, so I'm that's going to be, as long as it's a legit, well made movie. And not Damon Wayans running around in a terrible plot. Um, it will be the fight. <laughs> we had an episode about that, Mike. As a brand, so. Um, one yeah. thing that is uh, interesting to note is when they recognize appreciation and liabilities, there's different ways you can do it. I'll spare you the legal, the, the financial jargon, but basically, when you recognize losses and when you treat things as having lost value, there's different ways you can recognize it. And when you do that, can drive up your stock price as if you're like, hey, look, we, rec we, 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 you know, this year we, we did fine. So we're going to recognize all of our shit. So look, our stock just didn't go up or down. But then the next year, hey, look, we basically are showing no losses. Bam. So, oh, let's buy that, you know, is what they're trying to do with it. Um, so I, I, I would be interested to see how their depreciation schedule set up nowadays. I don't know. I'd like to see what their... Not the, just their production schedule, but like the the larger, broader, what Perkins has like cooked up in the month he's been the creative director, basically. 
Like not just like what's up with the comic, what's up with the video games, what's up yeah, with yeah, yeah, everything yeah. under the umbrella. What, what's the what's the end? What's the larger play? Who do you guys think will will be up for buying it? I'm thinking like I would like it to be Fantasy Flight, and I mentioned this in the RPG Net chat room yeah. yesterday, and people were not about that. Yeah, I'm not about I that. I think they, I think they do great. I think they Honestly. do okay. I'm just here. I'd rather Who, them than a lot of. Okay, other first people. of all, Watsi is not going to give it to Paizo. No, a, no, because no. Paizo is not going to have the money. B, because I'm pretty sure they're still like licking their wounds from that. So, like that takes out. Who who else could get it? That Games is a Workshop. RPG company. Games Workshop is an sure. RPG company. They're a miniatures company. No, I understand, but I'm saying yeah, but Hasbro is not an RPG yeah. company. Yeah. So, uh, well, I, I, they were thinking a video game company would pick it up. Or maybe that. Disney is is what a lot of people are saying on no. uh, Owen's thread. I, mean, I don't think Disney, Disney's not acquisition heavy, that. but they're doing. No, I think it's too brands. much work for Disney. I don't. I don't. No, it's not. The they're right not about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Disney just took on Star Wars. They, they exactly. Yeah. Well, no, they they bought Marvel and Star Wars. They're on acquisition <sighs> binge. I know, but they're not going to be looking for big acquisitions. Not. I hate to say it's small acquisitions. And if it's Watsy, yeah. that's I don't know if it's just small because it's not just D D, man. It's 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 uh Magic the Gathering, it's Pokemon. All the the fact that they're letting go of Magic the Gathering is interesting to Wait, me. are they? No, no, no. They would it would be the Watsy buyout. Yeah, Hasbro that's what I thought. It's everything, everything Watsy's got. Yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't be small potatoes, I don't think. No. Well, no, it's not small potatoes, but when you compare Watsy to Lucasfilms and Marvel, there's a bit of a difference. Sure, sure. So I'm sure. saying they're buying on that tier. They're actually rumored to be I'm wondering if it's going to be some weird fucking thing like THQ comes out of nowhere and is like, hey, no. we got Watsi now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure any of the, knowing the developer brains that work at those companies, yeah. More I realistically, see. I think it, it would be like a, a company already working on D&D brand stuff, you know, like Beamdog or, or, or something well, like so that. Well, so I think, remember though, that Although a lot of them have, the have to be the producer, not the developer. Because the mm. producer will buy it, the developer probably won't. Because developer yeah. absorbing that Good kind point. of liability is a, is not their MO. That's not how they operate. It'd be interesting if it was like a bookstore or something like a, like a distributor. Like Barnes & Noble was like, maybe oh, to Barnes save our business, we'll get Watsi. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Because I, I, I can't like diamond? I don't know where, where the fuck it would go. Like Diamond? Diamond maybe? Oh, I guess. I hadn't thought about the card companies. Yeah. Or like the the wholesale distributors. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking retailer. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Alliance could probably yeah. afford it. But I mean, that would be, be a huge drastic shift in, change for them. Yeah, yeah it'd be a huge shift in their business model. That's why I was yeah. suggesting Barnes uh, Noble because, like, that's a stuff, Mike. Hmm. You, oh, you sure, have sure, a... sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, we got in the weeds there, guys. Also, uh, <laughs> this week I got. Thank you, Savannah. Andreas Walters uh, posted a thing about like uh, a, pl- a price floor. Or on the uh, DMs Guild, Ew. and it generated a lot of other discussion. And I'm talking to this one dude who's like the moderator of the D and D Five E group, and was like in the Adventures League and a big deal. And he gets like I don't know, almost a thousand dollars a month on Patreon for Five E stuff. Oh, cool! And um, I, make? I don't, I don't think he realized he gives up ownership of everything he puts on DMs Guild. Like, I, like I really honestly think that only during this discussion did he realize that like. He doesn't own that content. And I'm wondering how many people are in that boat. I feel like it's more than not. Yeah. Sasha, you like, should get like a revelation during that conversation there. <laughs> yeah. Were you were you aware of that beforehand? 
me. Yeah. Um, I was moderately aware of it. I knew that it was a thing. I didn't know the extent of it. I had yeah. um read the thread and like, this goes a lot deeper than I. I knew it went fairly deep, but I was like, yeah, I now re- am much more aware of like my own instinctual dread of DM's guild. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, it, it I mean, was like, good and well, it wasn't accurate instinctual dread. I suppose most dread is not good, but you know. yeah, no dread. Dread self yes. per- is self preservation. I can dig it. And I want to be clear: someone yelled at me. You don't actually give up ownership. You just give up all rights of ownership, essentially. Yes. Right. So it's it's all. I'm not one hundred percent sure what the difference name. is. Frankly, like I'm exactly. sure there probably is one. Yeah, yeah. It's that legally you can still claim you're the owner is the difference. So here's the thing. Uh, So you can like say, oh, I wrote that thing. I just can't benefit from it in. Well, no, what it is, it's like, Mike, they would have to credit you, but they have movie rights to it. And uh, you can't ever fully remove it from the IP. You can stop selling a product, but that product's content remains part of the intellectual property of DMSGO. And you can't sell it anywhere else either. Like once it goes up there, that's the only place it can ever go, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know. I was just like surprised because like, honestly, I think you they... think this guy would be well informed. Mm-hmm. Like of all the people, this wasn't some like rookie I was talking to. He runs the five E Facebook group and is in the Adventures League and all this shit. Like you'd think that this guy would know. And yeah, you were saying staggering. No, I was just agreeing and being like, yeah, it's concerning. Yeah, well, no. the, the whole thing seems sketch for agents to me. The propagation of the business models what concerns me. And it's not such, so like, okay, Watsi is in this position where they had to do something because of the 3.0 SRD takes all of their IP, the game, con- the term- terminology used for the game's mechanics, the stuff that you can actually copyright, and they essentially made a Creative Commons, right? So when 5e came uh... out... That's essentially Creative Commons, man. Uh. So 5e comes out, and we're all like, what the fuck do we do? Is there a compatibility license? And then Frog Out Games, a bunch of lawyers, is like, doesn't really matter if there's one. We're just not going to use this stuff we know we can't use. And that's what's become this ancillary third-party market for 5e that I live in. And uh, then they created the DMs Guild and all this other shit. So they have to have some kind of response, right? Paizo's response is to be smart and inclusive and promote third-party publishers. 5e's what's Hasbro's Hasbro's response has been Russian KGB tactics. So when <laughs> and Monica Cook, Cook Games or uh, Woen RPG and Russ Morrissey or uh, what's the other one? World of Darkness and whoever the fuck owns World of Darkness now. When they make their own Onyx little Path. markets like this. Who does? They, Sasha? Onyx Path, I think. Onyx Path. Kind of. Yeah. So they can set up this market, and now whenever they release a new edition, they can abandon it and just forget about it and never have anything to do with it again because they're not stuck in this legal quagmire that the SRD from 3.0 D&D leaves Dungeons & Dragons in in perpetuity until they change all of the game terminology, which is something you can't do without making it not Dungeons & Dragons. So Truth. that one of the things, the, the reason I was kind of like, eh, on the... Uh, Creative Commons thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's closer to what's called a Creative Commons share-like attribution um, is what it's closer to. CC 3.0, which is the most common Creative Commons license. Mm, depends. Um, okay. Sorry, I, I, I wrote papers on this, What's the most common man? Creative Commons license, Scott? Um, so one of the things that it specifically states is 
that it's a referential one. It's not a, so you still own your thing. You're not releasing it to Creative Commons. I could write about. What's about the most common Creative Commons license? CC0, CC... Really, that's the one you see the most often, CC0. CC0 or CC... Well, it depends on what site you go to. CC0 and CC attribution. I think sites. Because I've only, I think, with with maybe a dozen exceptions, seen CC3.0. Let's say attribution is... Attribution is most common. But Yes, you I know. Let's say you can't... But that's why I'm just creative. This is attribution most... share-alike, which is different. Okay, all right. Thank you for the specific so that, nuances uh, of my metaphor. <laughs> yes. Um, other RPG news. Uh, more on Wizards. So now they have, uh, they want to do background yeah. checks for their volunteers. Which is crazy on so many levels. Okay, Yeah, Scott. I was going to say, which seems really invasive and also kind of creepy. Who's doing the, who's doing the background checks, bro? That's right. Me. It depends. Okay, hey, 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 hey. Are you saying the who, the who watches the Watchmen argument here, Mike? And, and like, how many the... creepy, fucked up Gamergate dudes are there, and how many women want to give all of their personal information to these people because they work so at the game So here's a question. Store. Before you jump on the... Yeah, no. Before you get on the... that, Are they saying that that's who's doing the background checks? I mean, I'm pretty sure they're in... No, I'm no, pretty no, sure no. that it's supposed to thing. be by the game store members because they're the members of the... They're the members of the network. They're the people who take all the information and process it. Uh, it says, to protect players of all ages to the extent permitted by applicable law, you agree to conduct background checks to meet your obligation on your staff as well as those you engage with that interact with the public. Yeah. So it is implying that they are the ones conducting the background checks. And there's it, nobody... employees who, in my experience as someone who goes to a lot of game stores, not always, but have a tendency towards that description. Yeah. It's just a, it's, it, it's a, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like when the government gave the already violent police forces of America a whole bunch of extra weapons. It's like, this is going to make you safer. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh. What was it? Like sure in order for so, other people to be safer, you don't need to be more dangerous. So guys, do you guys yeah. know what the legal definition of a background check is? It is carried out by, le by a legally authorized agency. There are background checking agencies. If they're doing it through their own thing, that is not a legal background check. So if they're doing that, that is invasive and creepy as shit. If they're doing yes. it the other way, if, if they're carrying out actual legal background checks, this is a good thing. That I'm totally fine with. But if they're going, oh yeah, creepy Gamergate guy used to do it. Though. That's, that's like... creepy, no kidding. Like you hire people to do background yes. checks. Like, what's that going to cost them? It's going to cost them a lot. How do you imagine the background check going without that information passing through the hands of the game store employees that are meant to put because it into the wizard play system? That's the whole point of like confidentiality on a background agreement or background check. You go through it every time you go to a new place of employment. Right, and the people who are employed there, you have see your address questions. and your name, and confirm it's the same as your. Fact or your sure. faxed or scanned driver's license, which you have to give them anyway if you're volunteering. Do you have to give them your driver's license for volunteering? I don't know. Let's say it comes down to that. Let's say, depending on how it's implemented, it could be either very creepy or very positive. I say just getting on this as a one sided thing, I don't think so. 
I don't know. I, I feel like it's a bit too optimistic uh, to expect it to be positive. I want it to be, and I'm not saying it can't be, but considering a prior event, I'm I'm leaning towards creepy. Yes, unfortunately, I am inclined to agree with that. Yeah. And as someone who is in the process, very deep in the process of becoming an official like Pathfinder Society volunteer, I've never shown anyone my photo ID. In the process of it, I've had to put in like my information, which, but I've never like, I don't think they. I do not believe anyone in the like system has like my physical address and they so like the background check part of it is not universal with that whole volunteer part of it and the background check is like from my experience it might be in higher up echelons but like the volunteering with that field of it i don't it's obviously different for different companies but yeah it's a thing and i'm very worried this very poorly but like the background checks are something that I might be good, but again, with my personal inclination towards absurdism and strange mix of realism, pessimism, and optimism that makes very little sense, I'm inclined to, oh God, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah, I, I find it uncomfortable at best. Uh, if they want to have background checks for their volunteers, why on earth are they farming it out to game stores? This is the future. How hard would it be to create an automated system that your game store can check your name and see that you have been background checked by people who will never interact with you, who like work in the Watsi building? You can have one guy whose job that's to do. But probably Mike, toss it on I'm some saying, Mike, We don't have information on how it's carried out. Yeah. Should be that way. You just... that, that's what I'm saying. And they could all use different background services. Some of them could use scummy ones. It's a game store, so I, well, I don't think badly of game store owners. No, I don't no, think they're the most is... organized people in the world. So I don't think that information is going to be very carefully protected. Like, I could definitely see creepy people doing creepy things to get that information and stalking people and stuff. Like, yeah. I On think a better be... note, since we don't have all of our information and can't resolve that. Exactly. Uh, Scott, you want to talk about Runaways, and <laughs> I really want to read the comic, so you should talk about Runaways. So Brian K. Vaughn's comic is like the seminal, like one of the most seminal experiences in comics for me. Um, the show doesn't live up to it. Um, I mean, I was sort of worried about that. It's like the comics are 12 out of 10, and the TV show is like a, like a solid 8. It's not a bad show, but basically the first six volumes you don't even get to that point by the end of the first season mm. and you hit your stride at the end of those kind of like the episode issue four or five is like i think they got through about halfway through the first three uh, six volumes which are they're not they're not long either the the premise is basically there's a bunch of uh stock villain tropes like a wit like a wit and they're all couples so there's like a wizard family and evil alien family a time travel a like, mad science family yeah yeah stuff like that and, Mafia family. Yep, and all their kids end up being... They're all in some kind of cult together, and their kids are all, like, hang out, but they're normal high school kids, and they have no idea about their parents. And they realize, oh, crap! You know, our parents are supervillains at one point, and they're doing some weird shit, and they figure out their powers, and they run away. Hey, they're called the Runaways. 
and they live on their own on the street and like care for each other and help each other out emotionally mentally whatever and like it's a really positive experience and they really go through some cool shit and one of the best parts of it is it's brian k vaughn so he does all this weird stuff so there's like i think Giborim are these like things that the cult prays to and they're like giant like bizarre looking very crazy uh like multi-faced like space alien gods i don't know how to describe them and um there's like a raptor named old lace who just chills with him all the time and he's like a little puppy and there's like Yo. and all the characters are like they could have been so one note but they grow over time and characters get killed off faster than in game of thrones dude yeah, see, that's why I didn't want to watch it, and that's why I'm hesitant about reading it, because I read a synopsis of, of like, well, the, so, the, the storyline. I'm like, but I don't want this person to die. But the thing is, though, they kind of handle it in a way more mature way than, like, other series do. It's not like, then the clone saga! And then it's like, dude, I miss... <laughs> I miss... Not Billy... Billy Jean is not my lover, and it's not a character in the series, but, man, I miss Billy Jean. I remember when she used to do this. And then, like, when they go to fight, they're like... Like... Like, writers and writers later, they're like, Billie Jean, man, still haunts me at night. You know, like, it's a really positive take on stuff. And, like, the interaction between them and the Punisher is the best interaction with any character in the Punisher. Nice. Molly, the, Molly Hayes, who's in the, who in the show is, like, three years younger than them. So she's, like, 12 and they're, like, I don't know, 15 or 16 or whatever in the show. But in the comic, she's supposed to be, like, five or, like, seven or something. But she's a mutant with like Hulk level strength or whatever, and Punisher like is like 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 sneaks up on him and she just gut punches him and like cracks Ooh. ribs and everything and she's like oh, 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 and everyone's like hugging her. He's like Molly, it's okay. He, he, she's like he was wearing a super suit. I thought he had superpowers. Yo, the Punisher. Yo, I think the, we addressed that in uh, whenever we talked about the Punisher series. Yeah, actually. yeah. But anyway, yeah. So it's like. It's, the things I missed about it was it has really snappy writing. It has really, like, twisted plot, I guess I'll say, in a, in a good way. Very, like, dense, very Gaiman-esque almost. And it kind of felt like that was lacking. They really put a focus on the parents for some reason. But anyway, the show doesn't measure up, but it's it has good... The ending, if, it, if they go forward with it and they kind of let the parents drop, which I know they won't, it, it'll be a worthy companion. Not, not not worthy of being, you know, equal, but worthy of the name, at least. The final scene was good. Black Lightning came out this week, too, right? Ugh. Yeah, I know it was going to. I'm not sure of the day. I watched it. I was cool with it. I liked it. I can't get past the costume, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Because around around where I, uh, when I go, where I go to work, which is not right near Times Square, there's a big billboard, and he's on it with that led suit and it's the most god-awful pose they have him in and it's just like it kills me man i'm just like oh i can't do it yeah apparently it came out the 16th yeah i thought it came out this week i thought yeah so yeah, mike yeah. is it good yeah i remember it, it, it felt a lot like era that's sort of what it had me oh. a little confused but yeah is it as like ridiculously angsty as arrow because arrow felt like hamlet but batman uh exactly. the feels feels more justified okay that's i mean that makes sense it's not yeah. it's not like it... oh i am a rich white man uh my life is paid yeah in the first like 10 minutes he gets pulled over by a cop and mistreated like it yeah oh so it's like arrow but for luke cage got it 
it's, it's yeah, I don't know. I'll be watching the rest of it. I'm gonna give it a watch then. Nice. So, Kickstarters? um, Kickstarter time, Kickstarters. yeah. Uh, so one I have, uh, is, uh, Dice Dungeons, which, it's a, it's definitely a simplistic, pre- like, uh, premise, and it's not like it's overselling itself, per se. The idea is that, like, oh, you, you want to, like, run a scenario, but you don't want to... Guys? and you Wait, are like, here, this is what there. happens. Savannah, yeah, can you see what you just said, that little intro, because I think my internet spiked or something. Oh, no. Um, anyway, you roll a d20, it gives you a scenario to run, you don't have to worry about prepping. Oh, that's cool. Which is cool, I, which, but more importantly, it made me want to, like, write a thing where instead of just rolling a d20 and then you get that scenario, like roll a d20 it's like oh this takes place in a jungle and there are dragons like you have to roll for like multiple aspects some some mad libs guys Uh, (laughs) which this book provides the scenarios and like some plot hooks and stuff um and obviously uh, a book that made you roll for more things couldn't possibly cover that amount of randomness yeah but i feel like it'd be an interesting series of tables so that's that's my spiel on it that was the best thing about the Authority RPG. It's in the back. They yeah. had this amazing random character generator. It was just mm. decadent. Oh. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, but Red Shirts, I see. Yeah, we oh, talked about Red Shirts before. They're back. Uh, it's a comedic, <laughs> uh, sort of like Star Trek spoofy uh, Starfinder RPG. Now Adventure Path is what they're, they're shooting for. Mm. And uh, yeah, if you enjoy uh, absurdity and Starfinder, it should be right up your uh, right up your office. Or I'm sorry, right up your alley. the The tagline for it is "The Office Meets Survivor in Space." Fair. So it, it is not right up your office, no, which right sounds office. like an interesting euphemism. I don't know. Well, I don't know, man. I spanked the monkey. It went right up my <laughs> office. I don't know what hey, to tell Hey, we're bringing it full circle. It's a thing. It was punch the monkey. Punch the monkey. Punch the monkey. Right up, right up your office. Got it. Yep, yep. No, I, I feel like spank the monkey is already an established. It is, it is, it is, it is an established one. That's why. So I get punch confused. the monkey yeah. is different but similar. Yes. Uh, and Scott, you had uh, Lingotopia. Yeah, so Lingotopia is this really cool. Like it was this guy making this game. It's about uh, you end up as a non-native speaker to an island of weird creatures who in a city who all uh, speak a different language and you set whatever language it is. It's like Spanish or German or whatever. And uh, you have to try to figure out words through context clues. And then once you figure out, solve a question about that, about that word, it appears as a translated words in the future. So eventually as you play through the game, you can build up your entire language, uh, like linguistic skills of that language. So if he goes, Hey, can you like the person will say, squiggly borp job forp and you're like what the hell is a forp and it shows a picture of them holding an apple you go oh an apple and you'll get them an apple and they go oh yes thank you and then now in the future they go look symbol dwarf apple dwarf five and you're like oh that five okay i need five apples for the oh that's a five and that's for a pie okay cool and then you start constructing language skills based on the, the experience of a native of an of immersing yourself in a non or a culture that is linguistically different than your own. 
So the guy's trying to expand the game and expand the number of languages um, with his Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really interesting thing. One of my uh, areas of study was um, educational game. The pedagogy behind that whole experience is exactly how games can be used as an educational tool. Um, just that interactive learning element raises retention rate of information. And that's very important when acquiring language skills. Um, it just gives comp it's, it's reading comprehension built right into the game. That makes sense. Good find. I sent it to Steph because she wants to learn Japanese. So, I don't know. Okay. Is, is Japanese one of the languages that's included right now? Uh, it's supposed to be, I think. Yeah. Let's see. Because I know it was... Oh, I already have it open, huh? Yeah, I was just looking at it. I thought I saw Japanese on there. Entirely possible. Yep, full version. Uh, Arabic, Mandarin, Russian, Japanese, Spanish, German, and French. I don't want to do Esperanto. We should do Esperanto. Oh, there's this there's this language. What's it called? It's like it's not Esperanto, but it's like Euro Pronto or something like that. I've heard of that. I think we saw the same post. Yeah, yeah, and it's very interesting because it's like it shoves a bunch of uh, like related languages together. So it's like Spanish, um, German, and English, I believe. And there's probably something else, but it's that, and it ends up being like. Um, if you read any of those languages, you can read the sentence and comprehend it. It's very cool. Like, there's a post on it. I just thought it was very interesting to read it. It was meant as, like, a spoof language, but it works really well. Yeah. I need to get on learning Pigeon. I always want to learn Mandarin. There's a lot of Chinese business out there. Oof. I, have, I told you guys I have random... I have a lot of Chinese... Um, some how, but, like, I have a lot of fucking Chinese fans for some reason yes cool. really no you cool mentioned that so man i want to learn chinese and go right to third party be the only guy writing third party in chinese ni hao yeah. if you just say ni hao you're not saying i anything. understand the the tonal inflections okay. of chinese thank All you right. that's what makes it so hard if you could just say a fucking word i'd know chinese but it's not you have to say the word in like 10 pitches it's ridiculous Five pitches, but like you got to mix them up. It's fucked up. It's no good. It's no good. Well, it's not fair. That's not fair. It's just I don't. It's too much work for me to learn. When I was nine, I, I suppose that's probably how like Beverly feels similar about English. Sorry, stop. Like, it's no, not that... the same kind of difficult, but yeah. English. Yeah, more stop. people speak English. Than talk than English there are English people. Sorry, Sorry Sasha was trying. When to I was nine... when I was nineteen, I. Tried to take a Spanish one course. Um, I, for various reasons, I stopped taking it. One of the mainly because I graduated from the program I was in. But the defining experience was when we were asking, you know, the very basically, you know, how are you? And I wanted to show how great it was at Spanish. <clears throat> so I and I thought I knew how to say excellent in Spanish. Spoiler: It's excelente. So I forgot that, and I said. I was caliente, which means spicy. <laughs> yep. And um, it uh, the the teacher basically I didn't know it was possible to laugh at to laugh at a student in a way that was polite, and it made, that he was trying to make it seem like she was very clearly like but was very amused, but like stifling this laugh of just like if I laugh at this student, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> I. It reminds me in um, 
in my Spanish class in uh, high school, we were supposed to be talking about what we liked on pizza. And uh, so what they meant, this person meant to say was, I like olives or something, um, which is uh, acetunas, I believe. Uh, but what she said that she wanted was calcetines, which are socks. <laughs> Good. Amazing. Good. So uh, I think this brings us to the guest. I'll get my bird wife. I'll be right back. Good luck. So Sasha, what is it that you want to talk about this on, uh, on tonight's show? Sitting back far in your chair. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a topic right there. Exactly. That is my Chair face. Leaning. That is the that is the that face one. I make when I have remembered every ten minutes for the past hour and a half that I need to come up with a topic. <laughs> Try to stifle be like, oh god, I need a topic. Well, what's on your mind lately? Um, relating to RPGs, um, specifically. Honestly, just Gen Con and how it's going to be interesting. Um, because I've jammed like enough games the past two years to get a hotel room, and I'm trying to do that again this year with with Paizo, which um is interesting. I mean, there's like the idea of like how the volunteer process works with Paizo, and I mean, I'm I love a lot of companies. I'm a diehard Paizo fan girl, as anyone who has ever spent five minutes with me can tell you. But like, just the idea of like their volunteer process and how they've re refined it over time and how I'm kind of trying to become like a venture officer thing, which technically I should have been a month ago, but I su submitted the paperwork for that a month ago. It's been a while. I need to get on the case again, but, um, did you have, you know, like the volunteer process in RPGs and how it's, how I, I'm still very new to the industry and RPGs in general. Like my first RPG was 3.5 and I graduated to Pathfinder like two months later. Like I first played an RPG in like 2013. Oh geez. It's kind of the idea of like how I'm so new to the industry and I'm trying to learn so much in such a, such a short span of time and rambling about volunteering and being new to the industry. And I guess how to start in the industry, I guess would be a very good way to sum that up. And I mean, to be fair, I very much dove in head first, given that like, I want, I love third party stuff and I was directed to Scott after I made a forum on the forum on the on the Paizo boards and be like, how do I start writing third party? <laughs> so first first off, you get a head injury, Scott. that's how you start writing third party. Um, yes. It must be self-inflicted. Um, you should not seek medical attention. You should just spill that blood out onto a page. And that's how you do it. No, um I mean it sounds legit to me. That that's how you start the summoning ritual, right? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the first thing I got published by Scott was a the first actual not terrible what the fuck am I doing thing I sorry what the hell am I doing thing I got published by Scott was called the Torturer, so that's not entirely inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of it is just I did, I did a big post about this recently, but it's basically look, th there was a comment on a third party thing blog and it basically just or a Facebook group. And someone was asking about like, hey, was some developer asking, hey, when, how often do, you, how do you feel about third-party products in your game? And one person's like, I don't pay for, you know, I don't pay for homebrew. And I know it was a troll, but you know, I was kind of like, I mean, it stuck with me for a month, and it kind of rattled around my brain. And I was like, look, everybody starts somewhere though. And there's a very weird, blurry line between high-quality third-party stuff, 
and low quality first party stuff. Because, and let me tell you, there's I, I personally have published terrible things. I have published really nice things. I have published things I have buried and I will never tell you about because looking at the um, Kinslayer base class is just a nightmare. Um, but I don't even think you have that one, Sasha. Um, I don't, and I have a lot of your old stuff. It's my first one, I know. Um, cool. But the idea is like, what, where that line is is very blurry, and you kind of have to keep doing your thing until you get to that level. It's the same yeah. with art, same with writing. I was going on about how fanfics. I mean, how many people... Neil Gaiman wrote Sherlock Holmes fanfic. Um, I mean, love it or hate it. Um, yeah. What's her name? Wrote Stephanie... Was it not Stephanie Meyer? Who wrote Fifty Shades? The Fifty Shades lady uh, wrote Fifty e. Shades. E.L. Gray? Yeah, no, E.L. E. James. Not Gray. Yep. Uh, E.L. James. But yeah, anyway, there... We had professionally published. Well, more fan importantly, fiction. like Milton wrote Bible fan fiction. Yep. Like fan fiction, fan fiction is baked into our culture. Mm-hmm. There's also um, I saw an interesting post relating to that a while ago, but like the evolution of fan fiction in a legal sense, and how Fifty Shades becoming popular when it originated as like fan fiction, and not, and the fact that Stephanie Meyer didn't pursue legal action for it is like re revolutionary for the fan fiction scene, because like the reason why like for when I first started getting into fandom is I am a wee lass was um when I was like was you know like mid well pardon, late aughts early new tens mm -hmm. and it was like oh and I just accepted that there was like always these um sort of every fan fiction ever had no matter where you were was I do not own these characters and then like literally years later like in the past few months I saw the post that I supposed like on Tumblr of like where someone was like questioning that and it's like and this still goes Yeah, no, like even if you did put that, that's sort of like fan fiction at one point in time could get you into hell of trouble. Like Anne yeah. Rice was actually really infamous for being really shitty to fan fiction people. For a long time and I Star Trek was too. And it's it's fascinating. So one thing that's interesting it's is really, like fascinating how it's evolved. So one yeah. thing I'm always big on is, you know, the use of public domain. So, one of the things with it is, when you create something and it becomes bigger than the it's sort you know the sum of its parts. When it becomes like here, I got a question: What color are Batman's gloves? Uh, deep midnight blue. Blue, black, whatever. If it's movies, black. It's comics. It's blue. No, I, say, I always picture gray, but you know, they're they're purple or pink. That's the original Batman right there. He has he has gloves that start right here, and they're like pink gloves i'm not even kidding go look it up go look at batman issue one yeah. batman is, has grown through a collection of writers through a collection of publishers. i mean not publishers eh, technically publishers because they're different names but he's grown over the years it started off as the shadow fanfic basically pretty much, they pretty literally much. used lines from the radio show mm -hmm. in the comics and hope no one would notice so, I think so the better it's more example like plagiarized would be fanfic. timothy zahn whose fan fiction for star wars became star wars canon for a long time like that, the boba fett story in the sarlacc pit that shit was fan fiction that became canon that's cool yeah but what's his name uh and then timothy zahn also wrote all the other good books for star wars fyi all the thrawn shit i'm yep. pretty sure that was on yeah yep, that was him every single one What's his name? Um, <laughs> what's his name? Ender's Game dude. Orson Scott Card. Hate him, love him. Not many people love him these days. 
Um, I tolerate him. I think I understand him. Um, I don't agree with him, but I understand him. Um, he wrote biblical fanfic like Milton, but he also did, um, he also did Star Trek, I believe it was. And then was like, my universe is, oh, what's his name? John Saligari, Sagari, the dude who did, uh, Old Man's War. He did Star Wars fanfic for a while. And then it was like, this is not fanfic. What are you talking about? This is my own universe. These are not Mandalorians. They're different. Definitely different. Mm-hmm. Old Man's War, by the way, is fantastic if you haven't read it. Uh, for other advice, I would say that you should write something every single day, right? Or design something, even if it's just like a paragraph. You know, it's like basketball. If you don't play every day, you're going to lose your accuracy on the shots and stuff. So um, I'm trying to get into that. My thing yeah. I do is. Every day, you'll see, I don't know if you guys can see all my wonderful messages. Um, I send messages to myself. Um, and those are all my design notes. And then I put them in a big document if they are at least coherent. They are not always coherent. Uh, they end up, Sasha, you have access to it. You have access to my workspace docs. I have two docs that are bullet point lists of ones, what, 200 pages or something? Yes, yeah, so like you closed it when it reached exactly 200 pages, I think. Yeah, I stopped the first one at 200 pages because I couldn't manage it anymore. And the second one's at like 60-something. I'm gonna do, I think I'll break into the third when I hit a, like 75 or 100 on that one because it's getting a little bulky right now anyway. Um, but yeah, keep writing every day and write really dumb things. Because I've written things that like... Literally, recently I pulled up something from 2015 that I wrote. And went, oh, yeah, that's how we can do this. And I gave the implementation to Ian and he went, oh, shit, that worked. I'd say just never throw anything away. No, never, never. Yeah, don't ever throw anything away. Keep reworking it. Neither do I. <clears throat> yeah, if it's no good now, it doesn't mean it won't be no good for something later. Yep. Another yeah. juncture. That's fair. Most of Design the... recycling. <laughs> but I'd say most of the shit I didn't throw away ended up in Gonzo, too. And you're mostly worried about writing, right? Like, you don't want to make your own PDFs or anything. You just want to write them. I want, so I learned InDesign in high school, some, the basics of InDesign, and I want to be able to publish. I like publishing. I just am not still very financially dependent on my family and I can barely afford to eat some days. So a InDesign is not exactly. Sure. I mean, like there's ways you can do hey, Sasha, it. Are you a student? Open office and stuff, but. I um... am not a student. So can that you qualify makes it... as a student in any way, shape, or form? What? Can you qualify as a student of anything in any way, shape, or form? Because you can send that information over to uh, Amazon. They'll give you, or not Amazon, Adobe, and they'll give you a huge, huge, huge discount. Honestly, I do not think so. Okay. At least when I cannot, which is, I have looked into that, and I'm like, no, I, no. Unfortunately, I am not. Mike, you're saying under... about open office? If it's under 20 pages, you can use MS Word or OpenOffice. OpenOffice has its own design program. But you yep. could use the MS Word or the OpenOffice doc program and make a PDF of uh, not huge, and you can't send it as a print interior file. But if you only want to make a digital thing, you could totally just use MS Word. Those are my first PDFs were done in OpenOffice. They're, yeah. they're LibreOffice, right, now? I don't know. They are, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I only, I practically never used Google Docs to write anything. Yeah, me too. Same. So yeah, here's something that bothers yeah, if me. If people... you're uh, writing, then pitch a lot. Pitch a lot. Pitch all the time. <laughs> Talk to publishers frequently. 
email them on a monthly basis so, if you want to work for them. I, I want to shoot myself in the foot here. Uh, Zenith Games or whatever posted in the third party uh, thing, looking for like submissions, and was like, "Hey, send us anything you haven't finished, but is like in a near polished state, near finished state." And I'm like, "Oh, you shouldn't have said that." I think I sent him like eight yeah. documents. I sent him like eight <laughs> things, and I followed up with him today, and I'm like. Look, I know you got an avalanche of things, but I'm just following up. And they're like, look, man, we got a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this stuff, but give me a few days. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that sounds good. One thing I found, though, the more you, and this is going to sound maybe egotistical, but kind of business savvy-ish, I guess. The more I write and publish, the less I want to put stuff out there for free because it kind of devalues your work sometimes. Because someone mm -hmm. has to, I mean, I will put out feats and maybe a race every now and then. Yeah. Like Owen does his thing, but Owen's also paid full time to do his thing. Yeah. And Mike, we, 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 you do your fan conversions and stuff, and I, I put out some stuff sometimes. Yeah, the but, blog is a great way to bring attention to the fact I exist and have stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, definitely a huge difference. I don't know about, I don't know, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Don't only give away free things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Have that uh, that Zen balance thing, mm -hmm. and it makes a difference too. Because like, I, oh, I still have a stake in all the stuff that people see on my website. I profit mm -hmm. when somebody buys a hybrid core book. See, that's fair. See, Mike, I think I do it the opposite way. I release all of our shit online afterwards. Yeah, we, no, have, no. we have we have our wiki. Wikia. Although some of my stuff is making its way into wikis, I found the other day. I'm cool with it. Um, I don't do it myself. Somebody else. I, I put when I put our stuff on there, it's our base classes, our races, and a bunch of pregens I've been making because I was bored. I mean, had I I just give away a lot of free stuff in the. It, it, you shouldn't have to buy any campaign setting I sell if you bought a supplement book. Yeah, like, I you agree shouldn't that. play any of those adventures by just getting the free shit that I give away. That's uh, all the context and stuff. Yeah. Or I'll reprint the rules. Like every Mist of Akuma adventure has the Mist of Akuma in it and the Adeta Oni and stuff. You know, that's a good approach. Yeah. All right. I think that brings us to a good time to wrap up. Sounds very. All right, guys. That's awful. Thanks for coming, Sasha. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you for having me. You blend in with the background today. Um. All right, guys. Once again, thanks for joining us. I hope to see you guys in the future. Definitely, yeah. Have fun, everyone. Peace. Later.